Hey there. Thanks for joining us for the latest podcast from Resound Church. We really believe that together we are better, and our heart is to reach, send, nurture, and disciple people as they become all that God has intended them to be. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or head over to our website, resound.church forward slash app, to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. And talk to you this morning about problems I've got at home. Uh, you laugh like you don't have problems. We all have problems at home, don't we? And the reason we have problems at home is because of what we value. And uh, you may say, oh, no, no, no. And, and, and what you value determines what takes place in your home. And um, just yesterday, an update, this is real, all restarting. Just an update for those of you who are interested in the Ram, my good son-in-law, Josh, came yesterday and popped in and it was great timing because for those of you who know anything about sheep, you've got to, you've got to trim their hooves. And unfortunately, the ram, I hadn't done it for a while and its hooves were getting really long and I thought, oh no, how am I going to do this? It's, for those of you who know, it's, it's sort of like we, we know there's God and there's Satan. Well, the ram is not on God's side. As a matter of fact, I'm sure he's on the other side, and some of you have heard some of the stories already about him. And, um, and so I thought, not only do I have to catch him, but now I have to get him to the ground. And I've had problems getting him to the ground before because he's a big beast and, um, and caused me no end of pain in my attempts to do it. So fortunately, Josh decided to visit yesterday, and I said, Josh, do you mind getting your clothes a bit dirty? No, 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 that's no, all good. Okay. So we got the ram cornered, I grabbed him by the horns, and the two of us are trying to wrestle him to the ground. I'm, you know, I'm twisting his head and his neck, trying to get him to the ground, and Josh said, I'll pick up his legs. So he picks up two legs, and finally we get him on the ground, and both of us sit on him. <laughs> even then, even then, he, uh, we had to use tactics to keep him to the ground, so I've got his head there. And we went through this process of trimming his hooves, which was extremely exciting. What I didn't realise in the process of all of that, because I had the head end, Josh had the other end. <laughs> and um, apart from frost coming from the mouth, which is fairly palatable, Josh had the experience of what comes out of the other end all on his leg. And so you might say, what has this got to do with anything? I value Josh. <laughs> uh, you know, I said some of the problems you have at home are as a result of what you value. Some of the good things is as a result of what you value. Some of the bad things is as a result of what you value. Now, I'm in trouble here, so... You can try restarting. Something's gone wrong. It normally works really well. And I always check, so I'll just do it from memory, maybe. Uh, go back to the most recently opened Microsoft Word document. <clears throat> and so let me, let me get on with it, and I'll talk to you about it. So what happens is everyone has a culture in their own home. It's made up of the values that you hold. So some of you will go to one house, and they'll have a particular set of values, and that will be outworked. I'm not talking about... Thank you. That'll be outworked. 
that will be outworked not based on what you say, but rather on what you practice. Now, in, uh, most businesses have a set of cultural values, things that they espouse uh, and experience that people are going to uh, uh, experience, suck for words there, an experience that they're going to have when they connect with that business. And usually those words say things like customer service and everything else. Now, there's nothing more annoying than seeing that one of the values they have is good customer service and your experience is quite the opposite of that. People get upset or irritated when people make a promise about what they value and then don't deliver. Is that right? Um, Through the years, McDonald's have had some serious issues because they used to be fast. Is that... They used to be really quick. You, you know, they made all the hamburgers. You literally walk to the counter and say, I'll have a Big Mac. They'll take one that was made, you know, less than two hours ago and they give it to you. <laughs> but after a while, they realised the fast thing wasn't working for them because people didn't like what they were getting after it had been sitting in the counter for a while. And so they tried to change their system and they, now they make to order, which is really good, but it's not as fast anymore. So one of the values they used to hold, um, they're trying to hold in tension with the fact that, the, that, that they want to give better quality food. Now, I assume it fits in the food category, but but that's the goal. And so what you had was people getting upset because they weren't getting what they wanted as quick as they used to get it, even though the quality of what they got was a little bit better. I want to ask you a, a, a range of questions. They're rhetorical questions. Some of you will answer anyway, but let's see how it goes. What cultural values, practices, or habits do you have at home? Many of you have things that you do. Some people, you're not allowed to wear shoes in their house. And and I'm not picking on anyone for what your values are, but what I am saying is you have values. For some people, uh, you know, it may be that you, you always sit at the table for dinner. Maybe that you don't have the TV on when you're eating dinner or something like that. There's other things, you know, um, we always rinse the dishes before we put them in the dishwasher. Um, There's a bunch of other things that people might develop. They're cultural values or practices or habits. And when someone comes to your house and doesn't do it the way that you do it, it causes a little bit of tension. You know, someone takes, if you normally rinse a plate before you put it in the dishwasher and someone comes and helps pack the dishwasher and they just put it in with, you know, a whole bunch of food stuck to it, it's like, "Mm, no, 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 we'll rinse that. Who determines those values? Now, it's supposed, to be, it's supposed to be the parents in the house. Unfortunately, as children grow, tension increases and what's important uh, becomes a mix of the people in the house. Uh, because Ruth and I had four daughters, that balance changed very, very quickly and uh, I just capitulated, <laughs> you know, I just gave in. How strict are those values? There are some things that are really, really important and some that are less important. I remember telling the story one time of um, how it used to, it still annoys me, the girls would leave their shoes at the front door, but they wouldn't leave them at the front door, they'd leave them on the front doormat. And because we had so many girls, what I would do is I'd get home from work and I would have to get climbing gear on to climb over the pile of shoes to get in the front door. And it annoyed the life out of me. And so one day I just, I'd had enough and I thought, that's fine. I'm going to put them all in the bin. And that's, so that's what I did. I took all the shoes, I put them in the bin 
And um, when I got inside, I made it through the front door easily once I removed the shoes. And I said to the girls, oh, by the way, your shoes, you know how I tell you to put them away? Well, they weren't away, so I just put them in the rubbish bin. If you want them, you'll have to dig them out. And, um, of course, there was screams and yells and, how can you do that? What are you, you know? But it was, a, it was something that was important to me. And um, in your homes, you have values that you apply and they ought to affect everyone. What happens when those values are, uh, are, are tested by somebody? If it's a parent and children, what happens is the parents ideally fall in line. The tricky part is, as they get older isn't always the case. As a matter of fact, it starts from the time that they're born. It's, it's like they test your values and, um, and, and that's what parenting is about. It's about you teaching them or discipling them or disciplining them to adopt values that are important to you because you believe that's the way you should live life. Who changes the culture and the values? The people in the house change the culture or the values. Oxford Dictionary definition of values says the ideas, customs, and social behavior of a particular people or society. Now, we know in a a micro sense, we each hold, hold personal values, and we develop a culture internally and externally around us. In a home, it becomes a group of people that determine those values and the culture. In, a, in an organisation, a large organisation like McDonald's, Kmart or whoever else, there's another culture developed and it's imposed by the people in charge or the people with authority. They're trying to develop a certain culture despite the challenge they get from their employees. In the church, we determine Uh, meaning that the elders or the oversight of the church are supposed to determine the values of the church. And and like I said earlier, we're going through this process of refocusing, which means we're restating what we value. Has what we value changed? Uh, I don't think it has, but sometimes we emphasise some things more than we do others. And it doesn't actually make a difference what you publicise, it's what you practise that makes the difference. Ideally, we ought to be creating values that come from a biblical perspective. Jesus summed up his values this way in Matthew chapter 22. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, law, tried to tap him, trap him, sorry, tap him, trap him with this question. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Remember, values are what's what's important to you. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Then he goes on, he says this, a second is equally important. Let me stop there. I said it a few weeks ago, but I'll say it again. You know, most of us ascribe to the love the Lord your God with all your heart, la, 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 la. But most of us devalue the next statement despite the fact that Jesus said it was equally important. And we need to be aware of that. There's a bunch of people running around, I just serve God, people don't matter. Well, people matter. They matter to God and they matter to, they ought to matter to us. As a matter of fact, they matter so much that Jesus said the second commandment is equally important. He says, love your neighbour as yourself. 
And then he goes on and he says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Everything that Jesus values is based on these lines. The arguments with the Pharisees were arguments about what they said they valued and what their actions proved that they valued. And so when there was a challenge between or a a conversation or an argument between Jesus and the Pharisees, it was based on values, what they said they valued and what they actually did. And the reality is, you know, if, if it comes to our children, if they say one thing and do another, that's the problem. It's because they're saying they'll do something and when they don't do it, you get irritated or upset or annoyed because they've said what was important to them and then they, when they don't do it, it creates a, a feeling of tension or dissension. I want to read to you from Matthew 23 and there's a lot here, so uh, I'll read it through and make just a few comments. It says, verse one of 23 of Matthew says this, then Jesus said to the crowd, And to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice, hear this, so practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. How's that? Jesus had assessed what the Pharisees were teaching, had he agreed with what they were teaching, And he encouraged people to follow what they were teaching, but he said, don't do what they do. In other words, there's a difference between what they said they valued and what they actually valued. And the reality for all of us is that's true of us individually, uh, in our homes, in our businesses, and even in the church. What we say we value and what we actually value can be two different things. And the goal is to make the two meet together. Say you value something, then your actions ought to determine that. Then it's a process of sanctification and, uh, that, that, that helps us on that journey. Goes on and he says this. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. They wear robes with extra long tassels. They love to sit at the head, of t- head table at banquets in the seats of honour in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces to be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi. For you have, you have only one teacher and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. Think Jesus is saying something there. All of you are equal as brothers and sisters. There is no one more important than somebody else. This is not me saying, this is Jesus saying. Where did he get that from? He got it from his statement earlier where he says to you to love the Lord your God, la la, and then to love your neighbour as yourself. Everyone is equally important. Now I can't find the spot. Don't let, uh, don't let anyone call you rabbi for you have only one teacher and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. And don't address anyone here on earth as father for only God in heaven is your father. And, you know, obviously we call our dad's father or whatever. But what he's saying is there is only one supreme. There is only one ultimate and that's our heavenly father. And that's what he's identifying with these particular people there. He goes on and he says, and don't let anyone call you teacher for you only have one teacher, the Messiah. Who is the Messiah? Jesus. And he is saying that things that I say 
are, are, are the things that you need to apply, the things you need to put into practice. And uh, it goes on. The greatest among you must be a servant. Look, look at the way the sentence is structured. Don't let anyone call you teacher. You have only one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be a servant. Jesus identifies himself as the teacher. And then he says, the first thing he says is you've got to be a servant. Consider that. Jesus is trying to make a significant point. He's already, if, if you like, criticised the Pharisees because they took the position of honour, took the position of, 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 uh, of being exalted, if you like, and they were pushing for that. And straight away, he addresses that issue in his followers. It says, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then he goes on with these what sorrow verses. He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you don't let others go in, let others enter either. What sorrow you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cross land and see to make one convert and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. Blind guides, what sorrow awaits you? For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple and that it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Blind fools, which is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And you say that to swear by the altar is not binding, but to swear by the gifts on the altar is binding. How blind! For which is more important, the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gift sacred? When you swear by the altar, you are swearing by it and by everything on it. When you swear by the temple, you're swearing by it and by God who lives in it. And when you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God who sits on the throne. Jesus here is addressing some key pillars in their thinking. He's saying, listen, there's an issue here. You think more about what's accrued, the gold, more about the offerings which were theirs than you do about the gold that was stored up in the temple, the, the owner of the temple, the altar at which things were to be sacrificed. What sorrow awaits you, uh, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Blind guides, you strain your water so that you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. What's he saying? He's talking about tithing there. He's saying, yeah, sure, it's important to tithe, but don't think that by tithing you're going to pay off your bad behaviour. There are more important things than simply tithing, and he's addressing that in the Pharisees as well. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, the same statement over and over. For you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. It goes on and on and on. And Jesus' problem with the Pharisees what they, was 
what they said they valued versus how they practiced or what they did. And the reality is that's not a problem that's isolated simply to the Pharisees. It's a challenge we all face. We can say on the one hand that we value something, but often our actions mean something else. You know, I value health. I really do. But my body says there are some things that I'm eating that are not healthy. And so, so, so there's a hypocritical thing happening. There's a, 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 an opposition or a tension that happens internally with me. On the one hand, you know, I want to get fit. I want to be healthier. On the other hand, gee, those donuts and the cream buns, they look so good. And, and I need to be rewarded for all the pain and suffering I've gone through. And um, obviously, I've gone through lots of pain and suffering. So the challenge is this, while we can say one thing, practicing it is another thing. Jesus, going back to the earlier passage, said to love the Lord our God with all our heart and our soul and our mind, to love our neighbour as ourself. Now many of us would give mental assent to that today, we'd say, yeah, yeah, no, we agree, we agree, we agree. Is that truly practised in your life day to day? What priority does God, got, has, does God get in your life? What priority do other people get in your life? Because it's easy to understand that we should give priority to God, but, but, but Jesus said the second commandment is equally important. And, you know, loving our neighbour as ourselves means we need to give time to people as well. It's easy to say it, it's a lot more difficult to do. I want to talk to you for just a few more moments about, and, and I'll finish off next week, about our value statement as a church. We're in the process of restating some things, and like I've already said, and so what we're going to use is we're going to use the word grace to, to help you remember what our values are. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. If, if there's one word that I think sums up everything that we should value, it's grace. And we know that it's derived from God. God has given grace to us. Therefore, not only should we receive his grace, but we ought to exhibit grace to one another. You see, if grace is of highest importance, then our ability to judge others decreases dramatically. We give grace where somebody offends us. We give grace where somebody's not doing what we think they should be doing. We give grace just as we've received grace, so we give grace to others around about us. That word grace says so much about the culture that we want here. We want people to experience grace. We want to, them to experience grace from heaven, but also grace with one another. The reality is we're all different. We all have different values. None of us are the same. We all have our own quirks, our own personality, our own style, things that we consider more important than others. The thing that makes the difference is, you know, the Bible also says in Romans, love covers over a multitude of sin. What is love? Love is, is it, it can be described in many different ways, but ultimately love is, is, a, is in its essence God. God is love, the Bible says. 
In other words, God is not described as loving, but he is love itself. So when we talk about what love is, we say that love is God. Now, please don't misinterpret what I'm saying there. I'm not saying love is the highest determiner of good. God is the highest determiner of good, but God also determines what good is as well as, uh, as, well as what love is. Love can only be exhibited through a combination of generosity and grace. And the two words go together in, in one sense because if you're exhibiting grace to somebody, it's out of the generosity of your heart. You cannot exhibit grace without generosity being practised. Now, the first word that defines our, um, our values or the culture that we want to create is that word generosity. Now, lots of people think of generosity, when they think of generosity, you think straight away of money. Money is the least important component of generosity. Generosity has got to do with the way we conduct ourselves, the way we, um, the, the, the way we connect with others. It's, a, it's an attitude of gratefulness, appreciation, but it's also a desire for us to exhibit or to give something to somebody else. If I'm generous toward Michaela, who's our youngest daughter, and sometimes I'm generous when she leaves her shoes at the door in the way... It's, it, or, or, or sometimes I'm gracious when she parks her car in the garage while I've been away and there's all oil on the garage floor. Sometimes I'm gracious. And the reason I do that is because I love her. Now, love cannot be expressed apart from grace and generosity. We know John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave. The way God expressed his love is through what he gave or through his generosity. Uh, I'm saved because of the free gift or the generous gift of grace that God has extended to me. My uh, ability to connect and relate to others around about me, if they're to experience my love, then it needs to be on the basis of grace and generosity. The second word, that uh, well, I'll read that. We are generous in spirit and want to exhibit grace through every interaction. The second word is relational. As a value, it speaks, it goes back and speaks about loving our neighbour as ourself. You, you, you know, I was talking to someone recently and uh, it was a guy in New Zealand. He's a, quite a prosperous guy. Um, he's a lawyer. But he was talking to me about his son, who is 17 now, but for two and a half years had suffered an illness and they couldn't determine what the problem was. But every time he ate, he experienced extreme pain and there was all sorts of issues. And I reckon he spent... 30 to 40 minutes telling me the story over and over. And you could tell that what mattered most to him was the well-being of his son. Everything else faded in comparison to the well-being of his son. And he was just telling me how his son had had this operation and it seems like they've found what the issue was and solved the problem. You know, when we get to the end of our life, what we have accrued won't make any difference. Who we've connected to will. Yeah. You know, as I get older, you, you know, some of the most exciting times 
for me, are just simply spending time with those that we're close to. It's, it's, it's not what you have, it's who you connect with that makes your life richer. And so when we talk about being relational, uh, I'll, I'll read the phrase there. It says, we're a family of people that genuinely love and care, inspire and encourage, challenge and cheer for those around us. People are our priority. Now, the, like I said before, saying it is one thing, practicing it is another. And I think, you know, when it comes to being generous, when it comes to, be, uh, when it comes to being relational, we're all on a journey. And while we can say we value it, the practice part is a little bit more difficult. Was I generous on this particular occasion? Was I gracious? Was I relational? And I know, you know, there are strengths and weaknesses I have, and some of them mean that I'm good at some things and not so good at others, but it doesn't mean I ought not to work on them. And then the third, third one, and we'll finish there so if the musos could come, is the word authentic. If there's one thing that Jesus had a problem with the Pharisees on, it was that they were hypocrites. Now, everyone's a hypocrite who creates a facade or an impression that they are something that they're not. The problem was not what the Pharisees espoused. As a matter of fact, Jesus commended them and what they taught. That was not the problem. The problem was what they practiced. And you know, for us, if we're to stand up here and to say that somehow we're perfect, then that's hypocritical. Authenticity is really, really important because it's about honesty. It's about being genuinely who you are and, and not creating an image or uh, an expectation in somebody else's mind that you're somehow better than what you truly are in practice. And so for us, you know, uh, when it comes to values, we want to exhibit grace, we want to be generous, we want to be relational and we want to be authentic. Authentic means judgment moves out of the way. It's really difficult to be authentic if you're with judgmental people because there's an expectation that you become better than what you are to meet their standard. Oh, well, Mitch is a husband now. How many weeks is it? Three? Yep. <laughs> you guys didn't see that. What happened is it's three. Mitch turned to Tory. Tori goes yes, and then Mitch goes yes. <laughs> now, the reality is, Mitch and Tori are learning in their relationship with one another. They're married three weeks, had a great time away, I'm sure, and then really tested their relationship probably over the past week in Bendigo. They're not perfect. I heard a few stories from, from their time, from the, from the last week. And I think to myself, they're not perfect. The problem doesn't lie in competency, it lies in authenticity. Do, do you know none of us are perfect? And, and it's okay not to be perfect. None of us have it all together and it's okay not to have it all together. The problem is when we make out that we've got it all together and create a an image in people's mind that is different to what's really happening. Jesus had a problem with the Pharisees because they lacked authenticity. They lacked the courage 
to stand up and say, this is what we believe we should do, but the reality is we're still working towards it. As a church, we want to build a culture that's, that's flooded with grace, that has generosity running through it from start to finish, that is relational and is also authentic. Will you stand together with me and pray? Thank you. For the grace that you exhibited towards me many, many years ago, when I first made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. But Lord, I, I know that that was not the only time you've exhibited grace. You exhibit grace to me daily. Sometimes I'm aware that you're exhibiting grace because I'm aware of my shortcoming or my sin. There are other times where I'm not even aware of my shortcomings. And yet you continue in grace towards me. My prayer today is, Father, that each of us might exhibit the same grace that we've received towards those that are standing around about us. That we would be generous in our approach to one another. That we would value one another. That that we would ensure that we're open and honest, not creating a facade, relate to one another in an authentic way. My prayer is that you would move by your Holy Spirit upon each one of us so that as we go through this week, the gap between what we say we value and what we actually do decreases so that we can finish our days and say with a sense of conviction that we've loved you and that we've loved those around about us. Father, touch us, I pray today. In Jesus' mighty name. Hey, what a great message. Thanks for joining us here at Resound Church. We pray that you've been encouraged through the message and that you've grown just a little bit closer to God. While you're online, why don't you head over and give us a like on Facebook or Instagram or check out our website at resound.church. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or head over to our website resound.church forward slash app to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. Well, don't forget next week, there'll be another amazing podcast here to listen to from Resound Church. We hope you join us then.